0: On today's podcast, from the North Walhalla Church of God, youth and associate pastor Russell Baldwin's message from Psalm 73 is entitled, The Danger of Misplaced Vision. Today's message is from Sunday evening, March eighteenth, two 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Russell. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 73. Psalm 73, and we'll start at verse 1. And I'm going to read down uh, uh, quite a few verses, down to about 16. And then we'll begin to touch on some of these. And then we'll even go further into this psalm. And then there's another scripture that I'll bring out that the Lord kind of began to lay on my heart even yesterday. So Psalm 73, it says this, the day, uh, David talking, it says this. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me... My feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride serves as their necklace, violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance, they have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak lawfully. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through through the earth. Therefore his people return here and waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, how does God know and is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain, and I washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, and behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. And when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. You know, there are moments and there are times in our lives where we find ourselves in this psalm right here. I wish I could tell you that I haven't at some point in time spoke words that were very similar to these, but I can't tell you that. There are moments and times that I have even found myself saying these things. It's hard not to find ourselves there. We've all found ourselves at this point and looking around at the world around us and thinking, look how much better they have it than I do. Uh, Look how much better, why does things things always seem to work out for these folks, why does things always seem to work out? Uh, you know, for for people who don't get up on Sunday morning and who don't take the time to be in God's house and who don't come and get up at four o'clock on Saturday morning to cook barbecue to help teenagers get to uh, Gatlinburg so that they could be in a worship service and all. You know, why these people who seem to I passed them this morning on their pa- with all these little boats passing by me and I'm thinking. There's days I'd like to be headed to the lake, you know, and those kind of things. And, you know, we've all kind of found looking around at all these people and thinking, why does it seem that they seem to have these things so much easier and so much better? And look at some of the things that David was troubled with. He says the prosperity of the wicked, the lack of distress that the ungodly seems to be in. If there's ever a time that stress seems to be on people, it's, it's right now, isn't it? On, on God's people. There seems to be, at times, this stress and this tension. And that's what David's saying. He said, there are moments I'm in stress and tension, but it seems like they don't go through that. And I'm not necessarily saying that they don't go through that. I'm telling you this is what David was seeing. This is what he was feeling. And that's what happens to a lot of us a lot of times. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything's great in their world. I told, we were talking about it even this week with someone and I don't have my, I left my cell phone down there, but a lot of times we spend a lot of time through social media comparing and looking at ourselves and looking at what everybody else is doing and looking at what everybody else has. But I told somebody, I said, all you're really seeing is just a snapshot of what they want you to see. That really may not really be what's going on in their lives, but yet many of us stress and de-stress and depress over what we see going on on social media. I described it this way one time. <clears throat> Shannon, Chandler, and I, we were all talking about it. I don't think I've told this here, but I think I described it this way. I know I described it this way to Chandler, but at Christmas time, we always take this picture. Once the tree is decorated and all the lights are on it and everything looks is good, you know, looks the way we think it should. So there's this one spot that the tree always goes in. It's right in, right to the le- uh, right left of the TV, right in front of the door that goes out to the deck. Looks kind of neat right there. That area is always clean. That area never has a lot of junk in it. So we always have our picture made right there at Christmas time, right there in front of the, right there in front of it. And, and I'm like, and I tell myself, that's what people do. I said, but nobody sees that there's a blanket laying over here on the couch and nobody sees that there's always an ironing board, unless company's coming, that sits right in front of my fireplace because every morning I iron clothes. Every morning I iron clothes. And, and so I don't use de-wrinkle spray and I iron clothes. So, and so nobody sees that. They don't see that over here to the left is three remotes lined up on the chair arm. And so we let them see what we want them to see. And that's what happens a lot of times. And I'm not saying that everybody's life is better. I'm saying that's what David was seeing. That's what he was looking at. That, that's what he was uh, catching a glimpse of. Those are the things that he was seeing. It says, the wicked are full of violence, but never seem to suffer. The wicked are seemingly more prosperous. The wicked openly curse God. The wicked doubt the awesomeness of God. And then after all this list, David even expresses his regret in his efforts at living right. He says, I feel like I have cleansed my heart in vain. Why do I even try? Why do I even keep going? Why do I even keep moving? Why am I even trying? I was innocent, but I washed my hands anyway. I've been plagued and chastised all day, and every time I think about it, it becomes so painful for me. He says, it was like painful to even think about it. And it says, I'd be better off without God just doing my own thing. And a lot of times we think, if I could just go my own way, if I could just go to the lake on the boat today instead of having to, you know, get dressed up and put on a tie and look pretty for everybody and all those things. And we, and we all have those moments. Am I the only one? Am I the only one that feels that way at times? And, and, I, and so one thing you're always going to get from me is you're always going to get honesty. <clears throat> now, Shannon will won't tell you the truth all the time. She'll come in and act like everything's just great, wonderful. I'll tell you the truth. All right? So anyway. But I'll tell you, that's the way I feel sometimes. And, And there's a change that happens. But before we get to that change, I want us to look at a few things. What David was experiencing is nothing that each of us hasn't at some point went through. Who among us has not found ourselves almost stumbling? Finding ourselves almost slipping. Listen, I have found myself saying, why, why am I going through this? Why am I facing that? Why does this always seem to be such a tough area for me? Why does this always seem to be such a hard thing for me? And we find ourselves stumbling sometimes, and we find ourselves slipping. It says, I almost slipped. I almost fell. I almost gave up, in a sense. That's what he said. Uh, these things became stumbling blocks to me. How many of you uh, stumble around in the house in the dark sometimes? Like in in the middle of the night, you have to get up. You stumble into the bathroom. There's a problem at my house. My wife doesn't close a drawer. There's one drawer. (laughs) That. I told her I wasn't going to pick on her tonight. But anyway, but there's, there's one drawer that for some reason she doesn't close. It's the bottom drawer on our vanity thing there that sits in the middle of the two sinks, and it's always open. And you better be ready. You better be focused. You better be looking. You better not walk around in the dark because you will kill yourself on that. <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine, and he and I were, I don't know how we got on this subject, but he was talking about a few weeks ago, he said his son never closes a cabinet uh, door. And he had went into his bathroom to get something out one night, left the cabinet door open. He said, three o'clock in the morning, he said, I'm walking through there, and all of a sudden I hit that door, it slammed shut. He thought I had been shot. He said, I thought somebody had shot me. And we find ourselves stumbling in the dark. And really, that's kind of what's happening to David right here. Because what happens, and there's a few things I want us to pull out, and it's, it's the danger of a misplaced vision. The danger of a misplaced vision, Psalm 73:3. he says this, I was envious when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He began to look around at all the things around him. And all of a sudden, his focus was not on what really mattered. All of a sudden, his focus was on everything else around him. His focus was in the horizontal instead of in the vertical. His focus had got off. And, and so we have to be careful of the danger of a misplaced vision. David had his eyes on the wrong people. He had his eyes on the wrong things. He was looking in the wrong places and looking at all the things. Nothing will cause us to lose our footing. Nothing will cause us to backslide sooner than to become depressed and down on ourselves and God faster than taking our eyes off of Christ and casting them onto the world. When we take our eyes off of what matters, when we take our eyes off of what is the prize, what is the very thing that, that, we, that we even come in here for, what is the very thing that we even gather for is to worship God, to see him and to be in his presence. When we take our eyes off of the very thing that matters in our life, the very thing that can change things in our lives, when we lose our focus of that, that is when we begin to stumble and that is when we begin to fall and that is what is happening to David. He says, I saw the prosperity of the weekend, in order to see those things, you have to be looking at those people. You have to be looking at those things. You have moved your focus off of God and you have moved your focus onto people and onto other things around you. We can't allow our focus to become blurred by the things that are going on in us around. Hebrews 12 and 2 says this, looking unto Jesus. Looking where? Unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right throne, hand throne of God. Listen, Jesus is looking unto Jesus. Where should my eyes be? Looking unto Jesus. But then look what Jesus did. For the joy that was what? Set before him. What was he looking at? I want you, I think he was looking at us. As he endured the cross, the joy that was set before him was you and I, knowing that one day that we would be with him in heaven. He kept his focus on what was important, even while he endured the shame of the cross and went through all the struggles and all the difficulties and all the things that he went through. And not only that, but I think the thing set before him was the throne in heaven and knowing that one day he would be in heaven, knowing that after the resurrection that he wasn't gonna be walking this earth anymore, but the joy set before him and knowing all that, he endured the cross. So who is our example? Our example is Jesus Christ himself. He kept his focus, even through the shame of the cross, even through injur- during the hard times. When we're in hard moments, when we're in hard things, who do we look to? We look to Jesus. Who do we call on? We look to Jesus. Jesus kept his eyes focused. David said this later in Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh what? My help. When I am in a struggle, when I am in difficulty, when I am hurting, when I have hard things coming into my life, who do I look to? I look to the hills from which cometh my help. The apostle Paul says this, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous shall give me at that day and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Those who are watching and looking for his appearing, those who keep their eyes trained and those who keep their eyes focused, those are the ones. Those are not the ones who stumble. Those are not the ones who slip. It's the ones who lose focus and lose their vision and who are stumbling around in the dark, looking at all the darkness and all the things going on around them. Those are the ones who stumble. Those are the ones who trip over the drawer in the middle of the night. Those are the ones who slam the cabinet door with their leg in the middle of the night. Those who lose their vision. Paul had a vision of what was waiting for him on the other side. He didn't lose his step. He didn't get discouraged. Even in the face of death, Paul kept his eyes on Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. It says this, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I want to tell you, we get our eyes set On the things here. And this is something the Lord's been dealing with me about. We get our eyes set on the things on this earth. On the troubles that I'm having here. On the sickness that I'm facing here. On the financial problems that I'm facing here. On the parenting problems that I'm facing here. On the afflictions and the difficulty things that are going on around me. And we lose sight of Jesus, but not only that, but we lose sight of the fact that there is more about our walk with Christ than just what's going on here. There is more to this thing than what's happening here on this earth and whether I have an easy life or whether I have a hard life. But there is an eternity to be gained. And there's an eternity that waits for us on the other side. There is promises of a land that flows with milk and honey that's waiting for you and I on the other side. And our light and momentary afflictions, the hard things that we go through here, in the scope of life. And really, if you begin to think about this, I talked about it with the kids even Wednesday night. If you begin to think about this, if we make it... 70 years, 85. My grandmother made it 98 years. But in the scope of eternity, it is only but a small amount of time. And even if life is hard for all 98 years of my time here on this earth, and I don't believe that's necessarily going to be the case because I believe God is concerned about us here on this earth. But if that is all I have to face in the scope of eternity and in the promise that I have of being with my Savior through eternity forever and ever and ever to infinity and beyond Buzz Lightyear would say, 98 years is only a vapor. Life is but a vapor and it is passing quickly. Our light and momentary afflictions, oh, they're working for us a far more greater, exceedingly greater weight of glory of eternity. It's more about eternity than actually what's going on here. The Lord's been reminding me and He's been talking with me. He's been pouring into me and saying, listen, it's not about what you're going through here. It's about what you're going to experience over there. It's what you're going to experience, what your walk with Christ has more to do with what's going on in eternity. You know why I got saved? I got saved because I didn't want to die and go to hell, but I live for Christ because I don't want to miss heaven. I don't want to miss heaven. I don't want to miss that because I, I know that there is a greater moment coming, there is a greater time coming. Yes, life gets hard. Christianity is not easy. It's not always easy. And like I said, we only see what people want us to see. We think it's easy on them, but that doesn't necessarily mean it is. We're only seeing what they want us to see. They're only showing us what they want us to see. But for us, we have a promise of a greater moment and a greater time. When the Lord returns, when I, when I take my last breath here to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's what the Lord's reminding me of. Listen, yeah, there's some difficulties here. Yes, there's some hard moments here. Yes, there's some hard times here. But that's not what this is all about. Your worship isn't about, all about here. Your faith is not all about here. Your prayer life is not all about here. Your walk with me is not all about here. It also has to be about eternity and understanding that there is something greater waiting for us on the other side. There is something far greater that is waiting for us. And I love that verse where he he says that. He says, our light and affliction, which is but for a moment, it's it's passing, it's fleeting, it's going away. For us is far more, uh, working for us far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. There's also the disappointment of a misplaced value. We begin to put value on things. And that's what David does here in Psalm 73, 12. He says, behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. And he begins to look. David says, look how rich the ungodly are becoming. And it's not always about money. Sometimes it's about power. Sometimes it's about acceptance. Sometimes it's it, 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 sometimes it's about uh, 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 who, who, what crowd we're a part of. Sometimes it's about what what who we can be around, who we can rub elbows with. I'll be honest with you, in the preacher world, it gets to be about how many people you have and it gets to be about how many youth you have and it gets to be about who, uh, uh, who, who's on your Facebook sometimes and it gets to be about all these different things that really don't matter. And we look at this, all this stuff and we say, look how rich they're becoming. It seems like that they have everything that they want. It looks like that everything they want seems to be handed to them and that's what David is saying and he begins to place value in things. He begins to place value in things on this earth and that's what happens to a lot of us and a lot of times as we begin to put value in things. It says, Matthew 6, 19, 20, lay up not for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, just what we were talking about, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Don't put value on the things of this world because the things of this world are passing you by. They will be destroyed. They will be gone. There are certain things that will stand. The word of God will always stand. Your relationship that you have with God will always be the thing that stands. Your prayer life is the thing that will always carry you through. Those are the things that have value. We treasure and value the stuff of this life and that stuff is passing away. 2 Corinthians four eighteen. going just a little bit further in that verse right there, or in, those, in that chapter, it says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, David is looking at the things that are seen. He's looking at the things that are around him. He's looking at the things that that are all around him. And he says, when we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. One, One translation says they are transient. They are passing away, here today and gone tomorrow. Uh, some of you in college, you'll know what a transient student is. If you're taking classes at one, one place in order to transfer it to another place, that's a transient student. You're here for a time, and then you're gone. They don't even really look at you like you belong there. You're just like a transient, just somebody passing through, and that's the, what this is talking about. The things that we see are just passing through. They're temporary and they're passing and they're going away, but yet David had lost his focus and he had got his eyes on the things of this world and he was looking at the people all around him and all the things that were going on and he was looking at all this stuff and says, but those things are temporary, but the things which are not seen, they are eternal. They are eternal. The word of God will not pass away. It will stand true through all the time. Our relationship with Jesus will stand through all the time. He has promised us eternal life. Our treasure today should not be on this earth. It should not be the things of this earth, but it should be the things of heaven. You want to know the things that are becoming more and more important to me as I think about eternity? Who am I taking with me? Who am I leading with me? I stand in front of teenagers every Wednesday night. Who am I leading to Christ? Am I taking them with me? Am I, as my attitude, is it leading them to Christ? Am I leading them? Am I pushing them away, or am I pulling them in? Am I pushing them away, or am I drawing them in? The things that come out of my mouth, the Lord is, is working on me and saying, make sure that we, that our mouths, our words are covered and they're, they're anointed, so that we're leading people to Christ. The things that matter to me is who's on the other side when I get there. Who have I le? to Christ? Who have I helped along the way? Who have I encouraged in their walk? Who have, I, who have I spoke words into that caused them to change? I want to inspire people to become closer to God. I want to, uh, to, to energize people to become more passionate about their walk with Christ. Those are the things that matter. My family and that they make it to heaven, those are the things that are important to me. Those are the treasures that we need to be laying up. Those are the things that we should focus on, not the things that that we can put in our hands and we can hold on to and think, oh, this makes me feel good because I have this, or this makes me feel uh, important because I have this person on my corner, or this makes me feel uh, prideful, whatever it is, all these different things that come into our lives that try to take our focus off of what really matters and what's important. But what's important are the things, not the things we can touch and the things that we can see, but what's important are the things that are unseen that we're laying up in heaven. Who am I helping along the way? What missionary have I helped along the way by giving? What person who is hungry have I helped along the way by giving? Who have I reached out to? Who have I included into my circle? So many times we, we get into these things and, and to where we have this circle of people and then all of a sudden, you, and we see it when new people come in, it's so hard so many times to work your way into that circle and those people when we think, but who am I bringing into my circle that I can encourage them? The things that aren't seen, my attitude, my character, all those things. All those things are what's becoming important. The eternal is what's becoming important to me. The Lord has been, just dealt with me in this last few weeks about that. The things that are eternal. Eternity is what's important. Not what's on this earth. Not what's in this life. Because it's here today and gone tomorrow. When they put me in the ground, I can't take anything with me. All I have is my relationship with Christ. Where do I stand in Him? That's what's important. That's what matters. That's what's going to ensure my eternity and my future. And this is what happens to David. We look at verse 16 again. It says, When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their end. Something flips the switch here. All of these things that David is seeing, his focus had got off. His values had become tainted. All the things he's seeing, all the stuff around him who's causing him to stumble and causing him to slip, causing him to lose his way, the same things that happen to us, all these things, but all of a sudden he finds himself in the sanctuary of God, in the presence of God. In the presence of God, he finds himself, and all of a sudden everything becomes focused again. If I don't want to trip over the drawer that's always left open, what do I do? I flip on the light switch so that I'm not stumbling in the dark. How do I find the light? I find myself in the presence of God. If I don't want to slam into the cabinet door, what do I do? I turn on the light switch so that I can find Entering the presence of God is like turning on the light switch. It's like when you go to the eye doctor and they're flipping all those little things in front of you and this one's blurry and this one's not. And they're saying, which one's better, which one's clear, which one's not. Y'all had to do that lately? Anybody had to go get glasses lately? Shannon said she went and the lady was flipping them so quick. She's like, I didn't know which end was up. So we don't know if Shannon got good glasses or not. Contacts. But anyway. And they're flipping those things, and they, listen, that's kind of what's happening here, but all of a sudden, when we enter into the presence of God, it's like somebody just flipped the right switch, and everything comes into focus. And what's important comes into focus, and what matters comes into focus. Something happened to David when he walked into the sanctuary, when he walked into the presence of God. Maybe it was singing that was taking place. Maybe it was worship that was taking place. Maybe it was an anointed word that was coming forth. But whatever it was, it began to move him, and it began to bring him into the presence of God, and he began to get his focus, and he said, then I understood their end. The wicked, there's terrible things coming to them, and that's not what I'm facing because I am a child of God yes they're they're gonna let them have their day let them let them have their day let's try to reach every one of them that we can but if they turn their back on it all the stuff they've had is not going to matter all the things they've enjoyed on this earth this is all they'll ever have but that's not the word that's not the promise for us when we get into god's presence it comes in the focus that what we have I believe when David went there that he was moved by the praise. He was moved by the singing. He was moved by the sermon and all those things. And it brought him into the presence of God. And it led him into a place uh, that he was able to, to find refreshment for his soul. And for his spirit. And listen, I'm an advocate for the sanctuary. I'm passionate about church. I'm passionate about coming through those doors. I'm passionate about the fact that Easter Sunday, we should pack every pew in this place. We should encourage everyone to be here, but it's you and I that has to set the tone. We have to set the tone to invite the presence of God into this place so that they can experience what you and I experience every week so that they can experience the prayer because it's in the presence of God that lives can be changed. It's in the presence of God that our focus can be changed. It's in the presence of God that those who feel like they're stumbling and those who feel like they're slipping, it's when they walk into the presence of God that they can find themselves and they can shake themselves and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, my focus is off. Wait a minute, my values are off. There's something more important than what's going on around me. There's the presence of God. There is eternity and they can come into these doors. I'm an advocate for the sanctuary." But here's what I want to tell you. You can build a sanctuary wherever you're at. You can enter the presence of God in your home. You can enter the presence of God in your car, driving down the road. When life begins to get difficult around you, you don't have to wait till you get here because you can begin to sing praise and you can begin to worship God and you can begin to train your focus on him. And the presence of God can come into the room where you are. That's what changed everything for David. When he entered into the presence of God, God. And it's important that we get into the presence of God. People say, why do do we have worship leaders? Tell me, Danny, why do we have worship leaders? To To lead worship. What does worship do? It brings us into the presence of God. It brings us into the presence of God. You take the songs that you learn here and guess what you can do? You can get in your car and you can start singing them as you're going down the road. All of a sudden, you get to looking around, you get your eyes trained on, so you say, man, look at that. I won't name a car because some of y'all might have one, but look at that. Uh, I'll say Tesla because that's what I want. One of those electric ones that drives itself, that stays in the same lane. So I don't think anybody in here has got one of those, so I'll say that. Look at that Tesla. If anybody knows me, you know I don't want to drive. I hate driving. I hate driving. I'm not going to fuss at Shannon. I try. Sunday night, she drives home for me. That's my one thing in life. My one true joy in life, she drives a car, drives home for me on Sunday nights. So if I could ever have one of those, that's what I would have. But you can be driving down the road and you can look over there and think, man, how do they have all that stuff? And then you can just turn around and start singing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. I don't know the rest of that. <laughs> and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his mercy and grace. Is it close? When I turn my eyes upon Jesus, when I move into his presence, when I find myself at his feet, all this stuff seems so unimportant. Who's driving what? Who has this? Who has the power and who has the authority and who's getting ahead and who's falling behind? None of it matters when I enter into the presence of God. And I realize, listen, we've all got an eternity that we have to deal with. We all have to stand before God at some point in time for who we are and what we've done, and what we've said and where we've been and all those things. And I realize because of the blood of Jesus Christ, nothing that I've done my eternity has been sealed. And I say, that's all that matters in life. That and that I can take somebody with me. That and the fact the things that are important, the value, the things I value, is who's going with me. It's when I fall at his feet, and it's when uh, it's in those moments of praise and worship that he begins to deal with me and he can begin to operate and move and work in my heart. And he can begin to show me those areas that I've been stumbling, and I've been slipping it. Uh, There's times that he brings me to a place of fasting. And I'll be honest with you. There's times that I come to a place of fasting because I'm wanting something in return. There's times that I come to a place of fasting and I'm laying something down and I'm giving something up because I'm wanting something so bad in return. But it's in the middle of that that I find out that he's led me to that place of fasting, not because he wanted to give me something in return, but because he was encouraging me to get into his presence. He was bringing me into a place of his presence so that he could then begin to show me that the things that I thought were so important are only passing and they're only fleeting, and they're only a small amount of time in the scope of eternity. The difficulties here on this life are moment and temporary. They're momentary. They're passing away. But he brings me to those places, and all of a sudden, he begins to change. And when I thought, all I thought I was doing was trying to get something, and all of a sudden, I find out all he was trying to do was get me in his presence so that he could operate and he could move in my life. You can play, Danny, if you'll stand. He says this. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors as a dream when one awakes. So, Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved and I was vexed. In my mind, I was so foolish. You ever come to your senses? You ever come to your senses and realize, man, I've said some dumb stuff. I've said some dumb stuff. I've looked at God and I've shook my fist at times and I've said some dumb stuff. That's what he's saying right there. I was vexed. Thus my heart was grieved and I was vexed. In my mind I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. He never leaves us. You hold me by my right hand. You know, even when I've done dumb stuff, even when I've said things and talked to God and said, why, he's never let go of my hand. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. And that's what David's realizing as he enters into the presence of God. He begins to sense the presence of God. He says, you hold me with my, by my right hand. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to your glory. When I enter into his presence, he guides me. When I slow down long enough and when I stop and I come to myself and I find myself at his feet and I say, th- and I clamp this down and stop speaking negative and stop speaking junk, he can then begin to guide me. He can begin to cancel me, give me direction, and give me guidance. He can begin to lead me. Whom, after, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. What a, what, a, what a flip of the script. What a flip of everything. Oh, they're getting ahead. Oh, they've got more than I do. Oh, they've got all of this stuff. And then he finds himself in the presence of God. Whom have I in heaven besides you? There is nothing on this earth I desire but one thing. I desire God. I desire his presence in my life. I desire his counsel and his direction, his leading. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. And I want to ask you a question tonight, if you'll be honest with yourself. Have you ever found yourself where David found himself in verses 1 through 16? Have we ever found ourselves there? And maybe we even had our, you know, maybe we could even justify it. Maybe we could, maybe, maybe you are justified in being upset. Maybe you are justified at shaking your fist, maybe. Maybe there's something so bad that you have that right. But you don't have to stay there. You can enter the presence of God and allow him to flip that script for you to remind you who you are and whose you are and that it's about way more than what's on this earth but it's about eternity. With every head bowed and every eye closed and I'm just going to do it this way. You say, I just want to find myself at his feet tonight. I just want to find myself in his presence for just a few minutes. I want to tell you this altar is open for you to come and kneel around this altar. And say, so, you know, there's been some things, there's been some moments, I've, I've kind of caught my eyes on some things that have kind of jaded me just a little bit. And I want to invite you to come and to find yourself in the presence of God. And just you and God spend some time together. Let Him guide you. Let Him direct you. Sing, Danny, for just a second. The altar's open. If you want to come and pray around these altars, you can kneel at this altar.